Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. At 40 Strategy, we work with CEOs and their leadership to reach a new destination by working on their people, process, and systems as one effective team to get to a new destination. Go to 40strategy.com to learn more. I'm excited before we talk about our guest here, we have a little shout out to uh, one of our longtime clients here, Kenny Green. Uh, he's the CEO at Terrain based in Bellevue. We've been working together for the past couple of years and it has truly been awesome to see the impact that your business has made and that you're making on everybody around you. So anyways, thank you, my friend, and thank you for uh, supporting us through the years. And with that, we have our guest now, and I'm going to say this right. I'm going to say this right. This is the big mm-hmm. test here, Chris. Mm-hmm. All right. So Christopher Panayotu. Nailed it. Nailed Not bad it. for a Husky. And that banter is going to go on a lot here. Absolutely. Uh, going to go on a lot. So Chris is a wealth advisor in the Furcrest office of Lucia Capital Group. He provides comprehensive financial planning services for his clients and is versed in employee-sponsored retirement plans. He is a certified financial planner, professional, and chartered retirement plan specialist. And he also has a Series 7, Series 66, all those fun licenses you have to make sure to be able to do what he's doing. In 2020, Chris was also recognized as a five-star wealth manager by the Seattle Times. He grew up in the retirement blend business. Prior to joining Lucia Lucia Capital Capital Group, he interned with UBS and worked for Morgan Stanley. He attended um, the University of Oregon. And uh, where he graduated with a BA in business administration after three years. In his free time, Chris is involved in athletics, currently completes in national and drug-free bodybuilding. Of course, I have some questions as to what that really means. He's a supporter of the Geneva, Geneva Foundation, a Tacoma nonprofit that supports advancements in military medicine. He also serves on the board of Accelerating Community Empowerment, he, which is a Brazilian nonprofit that devotes his resources to empowering the next generation of Brazilian children to have the opportunity to make a difference. When it comes to football, Christopher cheers for a team down south, which apparently is the Ducks, and he attends University Place Presbyterian Church. Chris, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. That was the most awesome introduction I have had in my life, and I don't even think I need to say anything at this point. It's like, take take care, everyone. Good night. This is great, right? I, I am excited uh, and ecstatic to be on the show, and I do appreciate the fact that you threw the Ducks under the bus, even though we did beat you, you guys this year. However... It's very sad in the pond because Mario Cristobal left. We were coachless for a while, although we've got some SEC blood coming in. I know we're not here to talk about that, but just rounding it out, I am very excited to get some big, big boys in the Pac-12. So, I think it's unfortunate. So for those who are are listening um, and you might see there is a 
can't see it because the way I have it on the Husky towel here, I, I'm a UW grad, but I did grow up in the state of Oregon after moving here from Boston and I actually was planning to be a duck growing up. I thought I was going to be a duck. My sister became a duck. And then I decided to attend. I got had a, some positive information come to my way. I went to University of Washington. I thought I could be both. Chris, I learned very quickly. Matter of fact, I learned the very first day that's an impossible thing to yep. do. So, yeah. so today, unfortunately, due to all the, the crap I get from duck fans, I have two favorite teams, which is University of Washington and whoever plays the ducks. So with that, with that, we can have, we can be friends, Chris, and, and just merrily go along, but it's all fun. All just, you know, I'm not, I'm not an employee of the university of Washington. And, and by the way, there's some great people I know from the U of O, including Chris and Chris, we've been having this. And so you, you have this challenge. I mean, how many times has your flag been burned down when you're up there? Oh, well, you know, it's funny. So very interesting that, that you say that because the short answer is no, because with ducks, we're so quick that by the time Huskies try to go and burn down the actual flag, we've already taken it down. And then you're kind of just caught uh, between a rock and a hard place. So answer is none. And it is a uh, metaphor for how fast our offense is. So there you go. Wow. I will say one time I was dry. I was going to a game. This is many years ago, but I was at a game. I had my Husky plate around my Oregon license plate. Right. And I came back and it was very clear to tell that somebody had peed on my back bumper. You're lucky that was it. <laughs> but, but that's truth really did happen. All right. So Chris, tell us more. I, I have, a, I have concerned about this because we might completely go off tangent and try to figure out how we're going to get the Ben Dunes together. which we talked about that's already. Not, of course. Right. But, but prior to that, prior to that discussion, tell us a little bit more, you know, financial planner, there are, there are a lot of you out there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about what you do specifically and, and what differentiates you from everybody else. Yeah. So kind of the black and white about my practice, about 70% of what I do is personal financial planning for, for people. We, we, come, we cover all walks of life, not to get into the weeds. I'd say about half of our practice is between 60 to 70. And then there's a, there's kind of a, a pyramid, right? At that point, you know, once you get older, the, the pyramid's pretty steep, <laughs> Right. And then it starts to gradually decrease the other way. But then the other uh, 30% of our practice is uh, retirement plans for businesses. So I've always loved having someone come in, they've run their business, preferably for a couple of years, and they understand it, they love it, they have a passion for it, and they want to help their people, their family, and of course themselves, because that's when you can kind of use all of me. But to answer your question on kind of how I got in to all of this, I've invested for a while. Okay. Not since I was a child, child, but it's, it's been a hot, hot minute. And like you said, I went to a couple of the wirehouse firms before I was, was blessed with Lucia capital group in my life. And this was almost seven years ago. And I found out very quickly that, and I'm not here to knock anyone or anything, but for a big firm, and especially when it's publicly traded, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, who am I really helping? And it's not anyone's fault that works there. And actually, it's not the corporation's fault. But if you have a publicly traded investment and you have shareholders, God forbid you pay a dividend to those shareholders, you've got to figure out very quickly who are you helping? Because yeah, the clients, that's that's what you're trying to help. But you've also got to answer to shareholders. And so it's kind of an impossible win. And so when I, when I discovered Lucia Capital Group, which I've, I've actually talked about a little bit on my show, they, they gave me a chance and they gave me an opportunity. And so at 23 with 
really <laughs> no hope. A uh, couple non-competes, very sad. And frankly, alone up here in, in UP, yes, my family is here. I'm Furcrest, Washington. I just had the faith that I was going to get it done. And you fast forward, I'm sure we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but we have done that and we built the businesses right as I'd like to, to think. We're a long ways out from where I want it to be, but I am very blessed and fortunate with how far God has, has got me at this stage. And we look forward to many, many years to come. Okay, let's, let's, let's get into the nitty gritty here for a second, because it's top of mind for a lot of people, inflation, okay. right? Okay, inflation's bigger than it's ever been. I just had the opportunity, bigger than it's been in a long time. Let me clarify that statement. I was listening to um, Chapman University. They had their their economic conference this past week. And they talked about that if you would use the old metrics, which included housing, right? And and different things like that. The inflation is much closer to 14, 15, up to 20%, depending on what you look at. Oh, yeah. Right? So- So what, which means that if you're holding cash, you're losing money each year, Mm -hmm. you're going backwards by definition. Right. 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 And, and, and there's very little things to put in and then the traditional bonds, et cetera, right. Mm -hmm. That, that are beating. And then you have an inflated stock market uh, to boot. Uh Uh-huh. What in general, you know, I don't, we don't need to go super specifics. What do you help if you, unless you want Sure. What do you what are you telling clients, right? Especially those who are in the 1670, and, and inflation is the worst thing that can happen to them, right? Mm-hmm. Right, an inflationary environment because if they're on a fixed sure. income, all of a sudden $100 today is worth $93 or $80 tomorrow. Sure. What are you doing to help give people confidence of like how do how do you combat inflation today? Well, first off, I thought it was I try not to laugh because as you were describing everything and, and kind of concluding the question, I thought of. For those of you that have watched The Office, Jim, and it's a it's a famous GIF and meme where he looks in the camera, he's like, what is going on, right? Like, that's basically how everyone feels right now. So yeah. to, to answer your question on the inflation side, it so there's a couple of ways to go about it. So number one, it depends where you are in your life. I think that much is kind of obvious because someone that is, say, 35 is going to have a totally different next 30 years as opposed to someone that's 65. When it comes to someone that is necessarily younger, I'm not going to say inflation is more noise, but it's more noise than I think people let on. So for for example, whether it's right or wrong, and I know people can kind (laughs) of get mad about this, but it's just a fact. A lot of these businesses and these, these companies, if you own them, and these costs are going up, they need to make a profit. And that's not a bad thing. They, they need to live. It's no different than you want to live or your friends or family, whatever. So when you pass all of these costs down, you, you're going to pass it to the consumer. Okay. Then there's an issue because eventually not as many consumers can afford all of that. However, when you're, when you're young, because a lot of people in finance, they'll just say, well, you just keep going and the market will just keep returning and everything's going to be hunky-dory. But they don't really say why. I can tell you from a planning standpoint, yes, you are going to be okay. You can't be stupid and just invest in things that frankly are stupid. And I'll leave that up to interpretation of the person that's listening. However, when it comes down to investing in companies that you are going to need, 
or you think you are going to need in the foreseeable future, I think it's pretty hard to argue that, that you're going to get hurt in the long run as you're investing in your retirement plan or an individual account, et cetera. So now you fast forward to someone that is maybe about to retire or just has retired. You are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So I went on a biz of wealth podcast a couple of days ago and talked about something pseudo similar because a lot of people will talk about, okay, you're in the market markets at all time highs interest rates are super low. They are going to increase. The Fed just announced that. So as this comes out, they're probably going to start kicking up. That is not great for bonds. And so you go, okay, where do you go? Well, you can't just stick all of your money in real estate because now you're totally illiquid. Even though private equity type of investments are more accessible today than they have been in the past, you're you can't just go all in there because you, you could get really hurt. Business development companies have come into popularity a little bit where you're basically investing in companies where the underlying investments are lending and then if there's floating rates, the, the income increases for, for a company. But those are also very risky. So you can't go all in there. And then you got the annuity side of things where you have guaranteed income, which is all fine and good. However, if income is flat, and inflation is increasing, you're basically back to where you are. Yep. And the biggest issue that I see is not inflation. See, I, and I've, I've, I've spoken about this on a couple of shows where I don't want to ramble too much about it, but um, so cut me off if I need to. But unfortunately, people like to ask what I call the Googler questions. Is inflation bad? Is a stock good? is a bond bad? How much cash do I need? That's a very surface level question. And there's no comprehensive framework and understanding as to what the heck you need to do to be financially prudently successful in this world. So selfishly plugging my show, that's what I'm doing at Capitalize Your Finances. However, getting back to your question, it's never an either or, it's, it's an and. And it's a comprehensive and. So for someone that is in that age group, some people may not need any real estate. Some people may not need any annuitization or preferred stock. I could go down a laundry list. But if you are not talking to someone that awkwardly stutters when, when you ask a Googler type of a question, you're in trouble. Because the people that are thinking about it critically, I, I was talking about this, um, actually this morning, I was talking about this with my mom, my mama's boy. And we were talking about how Joe Rogan said Elon Musk is the hardest person he's ever interviewed because as he's talking, he can't give really a straightforward answer because he kind of looks at you, but then he looks all over the place because he's thinking of like 15 things. In a way, I'm not Elon Musk. I'm not even close to that, Okay but I kind of get where he's coming from on if he's thinking of it. Now he's just brilliant. I just know what I know. But when people ask me something on a financial side, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands. I kind of go, Oh, well, and I come off kind of like a doofus, but I'm trying to think of all of these different things. Cause it's not a straightforward answer. I know we kind of bounced all over, but no, that's okay. I, you know. So let me ask you something else. That's also, obviously it's not new anymore, but it's, still hot, which is how many times you get asked, can I invest in crypto? Oh boy. Okay. 
Uh -huh. Right. So, so this is a common question I get asked of people, right? They're like, how do I get into this? And I'm like, yeah, I am certainly not the expert in, in, in this asset class and, and, and use that, but it's a new asset class, if you may. Sure. Right? sure. You know? Yep. Yep. So, so A, what do you do, right? When a client says, I want to get into Bitcoin or I want to get into mana decentraland because I saw something on the internet that said I should invest in this. How are you helping people to think about that in a prudent way? But is it, is, is it or is it not a real asset class? Yeah. Oh man. We should have asked me this at the beginning. We could have made the whole episode on this. So uh, great question. There I go with 30 answers at once, and I'm going to be professionally awkward here. So let's let's just start it. I'm just going to free flow it, and you can put the puzzle together. So someone comes in, they say, what do you think of crypto? I would ask them if they have 24 hours in the day, because they're going to be here all day. Now, a lot of people that have listened to my show and fans, capitalizers, have, they, they believe that I'm totally against cryptocurrency. That's not true. But then again, you know, you Google it, that means you're all for it because you can't be one or the other. And that's also not true. Here's my thing with cryptocurrency. I learned a long time ago from someone I look up to significantly, your greatest gift is your greatest curse. And, you know, as my brother's probably going to be listening to this, he's going to roll his eyes because I've, I've said that so many times, like, ah, there goes Chris again. But it's very true. Your greatest gift is your greatest curse. So for cryptocurrency, it's in the title. It's a currency. So it could be a gift in the fact that it's a new currency. Let's just go with that argument, right? It's no different than the dollar, no different than the yen, pound, what, whatever you want, okay? Which I think down the road, people that are really pro for it could say, hey, that's awesome, right? That's, that's kind of it, right? It's going to replace everything. It's decentralized, right? Against the man, whatever. Okay, here's the curse with that. Now, the only way, frankly, that you're going to be able to make a tremendous amount of money on that is through arbitrage. And so for listeners at home that don't really understand arbitrage or haven't even heard of it, that's basically saying, okay, you see something that is priced at whatever it is, but for whatever reason, it drops for no apparent reason. Every other currency relative to that is more expensive. You buy it because then it's going to have to come back. Voila, you made money. However, then you get into the quote unquote investing game. And what I mean by quote unquote is you're investing, but you're just, you're, you're a closet gambler because at the end of the day, it's kind of just this momentum of every single person depending on someone else buying or selling for something more or less. And you could argue that in business. However, certain investments, you kind of need them. I always like to use Kimberly Clark toilet paper. Now, I don't need to know personally how many times you've used that product over the last week, but I can guarantee you, you have used it. And if you have not, I would be more than happy to introduce you to my gastroenterologist because you have a whole slew of issues behind that. <laughs> but you use it, right? It's a product and it's probably not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. Maybe there's not a ton of competitors. Maybe they have relatively stable profitability. I'm not saying it's guaranteed for those regulators out there in the bush trying to trying to, to lock me up for that. It's not guaranteed, 
But from a cryptocurrency side, there are people that will make the pro argument, which I totally get. However, being a devil's advocate, which I think is what being a capital capitalizer is all about, it's also a curse. And then the cherry on top, there's so many cryptocurrencies out there right now. I think I was reading today, there's, I think, what, four, 436 or something like that. So even if that is the future and you're all in, you could either just sprinkle it all over the place, but now you're just kind of throwing whatever in the wind. I'm going to keep PG. But if there's 436 and you're all in on whatever it is, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Grayscale, a couple that I'm, I'm thinking of, you've got a one out of 436 percentage chance of being right. I personally don't really like those odds. I think there's easier wins out there. So that's my thing on cryptocurrency. I'm not for it. I'm not against it. I'm just, I'm a capitalizer. So what I think that was, uh, I think of this day of this recording, which for those who are listening, was a little bit dated. Uh, December 17th, it was uh, 2021 when this has been recorded. This happens to be the day of the Wright brothers flew their airplane for the first time in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Okay. So and thank you to Darren Her- Hardy, who, who uh, reminded me of that. So anyways, first day that happened, that took place. In the early days of flight aviation, there were hundreds of companies who built airplanes. Chris, how many airplane companies are there in the U.S. today? I honestly, I couldn't tell well, you. Well, it's basically oh, yeah. Boeing, right? I yeah. mean, you know, McDonnell Douglas. I mean, but I mean, like there are, there are in terms of airplane yeah. building jetliners, right? Yeah. It's, it's basically one. I mean, it's Boeing. Boeing is our only, you know, really clear provider sure. of airplanes these days in the United States, right? But think about that. It's just a hundred, you know, basically a hundred years later, roughly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and only one's left. So mm-hmm. I'm just kind of reinforcing your point a little bit. This is no different than the internet bubble that I remember very dearly in the, in the 90s. There was companies that didn't even have revenue that were, were, had eyeballs. They were tracking success based on meaning eyeballs, meaning how many people were looking on the website is how they were tracking potential revenue. Mm-hmm. Potential revenue is the key word there. And so I do agree with you that there's done it. There will be a few winners. The question is who, and are you in the right place? And, and to that, you know, that comes wisdom, knowledge, but it's, it's, a, it's its own set of things. So that's, I, I, that's just what I just do on top of that, just to reinforce this. There's usually a very few winners, same things that have the dot-com bubble, you know, back in the 2000, I have a stock when I sold, this is, everyone's going to turn off when they hear this. I have this little thing where I sold four shares of Amazon at like $11 in, in January of 2000, 2000. Yep. Because people were wondering if that company was going to make it. Mm-hmm. Now it's over $3,500 roughly, you know, the time of this recording just shows you that there was a winner, you know what I mean? And Amazon was definitely one of them. And they went way beyond books, which wasn't even much of a consideration, at least for those who are investing at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And just to clarify, I've had some wins with Amazon. So it's, I'm not, I've had some definitely some success with it. But the point is though, at that point in time, we even thought that was going out of business, mm-hmm. right? Because there was a bubble and it burst so who's to say we're not going to have the same thing with other types of things down the road? I, it's going to be super fascinating. I appreciate your insight on that. I think it's important for those to go on that. So now I want to go to your, your personal story. This is one of the actually big reasons why I wanted to have you on was 
very intriguing story about there wasn't long ago that it was kind of all lost and done. You know, you, you had some significant events in your life, business, personal wise, yep. where it's like, where am I going to go next? Can you share that story? Because I think it's pretty powerful. And I think it's a really good testament to what do you do when, when everything falls apart and, and how do you bounce back from something like that? Sure. Yeah. And talked a little bit about, you know, the business side of things. And personally, I'll share a little bit of it, although I try to keep a smidge private. However, because you ask kindly, I mean, how can you say no? Right. So, so I'll start with the professional side and then kind of weave in on the, the personal because it all, <laughs> it's all kind of a, a blur when you, when you peel it back. So when I started through, through Lucia Capital Group at, it was right before my 23rd birthday, May, 12th, 2015, not that anyone's counting. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I've got an amazing opportunity. I've got some incredible people, basically like family. And today they are family. And this is going to be great. I've got all these tools. I'm going to be able to throw that out there and everyone's just going to be drawn to it. Well, problem with that is, you know, and, and this is not anything specific, it's just the way it is. If you have a firm whether it's boutique or big, and you're kind of going out there and you're trying to push all of that, it doesn't come across as genuine to a consumer. Well, I didn't really understand that. And when you really love someone like I do, then, or, or people like I do, you're, you're, you kind of double down because it's like, oh my gosh, how, why is this not working? So after it must've been two years went by and I thought to myself, okay, something has really got to change. And I'm a big believer in when you hit rock bottom and you start to get quote unquote desperate, the most genuine success comes out of nowhere. <clears throat> so in, I remember in 2017, in August, I was praying hard going, okay, if this doesn't turn around, I'm in some serious trouble. And September not only does it turn around, but then I got to meet my lovely wife now. And then October really started to rev the engine. And then we had some, some family situations happen. And, and so then after that, you know, you fast forward, it, it's just a blur, you know, you get a bomb kind of dropped on you. You know, I had to move offices and moved into our home. It was one of those things where, okay, you get through 2018 and it's kind of like, you just got punched in the mouth. You're like, what just happened? The, the, my favorite quote a couple of days ago, I, I actually said this on the other podcast I was on. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth by Mike Tyson. Mm -hmm. That's, I was like, whoa. So then I remember in 2019, thought about it. You know, I'm a man of faith. And when you're just kicked in the teeth and then people start, whether they're laughing or kind of just, I don't want to say looking down, but it's just easy especially in your kind of a character. So like, oh, wow, this guy's just kind of crazy. He's just going to kind of fizzle out. You've got to dig really deep and double, triple, quadruple down on yourself. So I said, screw it. Come 2019, I'm going to take Furcrest uh, in Tacoma, Washington by storm as much as I can. And we did that. And we knocked it out of the park. You mentioned a couple, you know, awards we got. And, and, and I'm not really a, a title guy, even though that's kind of the premise of my show. I just put my head down and do my thing. So then... Come 2020, I thought this is going to be great. My wife and I are going to get married in September. And going back before that, I'm going to get my CFP past that because that thing is not cheap. 
in March, we're going to have this great summer and ride off into the sunset and it's just going to be killer. And then 2020 came around and first Kobe Bryant died, God rest his soul. That kicked off the year in a very sad way. And then February comes around, then March comes around and then you got April and May and, and we were okay. But then June comes around and you know, you're kind of zoomed out if you're just running around your circle. So how this is good, nice little transition to the, the, how the show came about. I look around going, okay, I got to do something like yesterday because I can't keep doing this. So I create a LinkedIn and I go on social media and, and I'm not a huge social media guy, which is funny because my brother who runs an incredible social media marketing company, it's always a fun little conversation at the dinner table. And, uh, so I start connecting with people, but then I'm like, this is so dumb. Like, this is just like what I did in high school with Facebook or college with, with Twitter, which, you know, I don't have any of those probably for, for good reason. Our, my, our compliance people are probably like, thank God. But anyways, I remember thinking to myself, wait a second, what if I start connecting with people I look up to, like researchers in our industry? So I ended up cold messaging a Dr. David Blanchett who was the head of Morningstar Research at the time. He's since moved on to PGIM. And he answered, and it was great. And we're chit-chatting for a couple hours and hitting it off. And, and then I said, hey, we've got this thing called Lucia Weekly. I'd maybe see if it'd be cool to have you on our show. And somehow must got lost in translation because he goes, yeah, I'd love to be on your show. Now, me being me, I'm just like, great, cool. So remember I hang up and I call our chairman and I go, dude, Blanchett wants to come on my show. He's like, dude, you don't even have a show, but like, good for you. And I'm like, yeah, so you're going to have to figure this out. So we do it. And then you fast forward a little bit and do the show. I'm freaking out. Never interviewed anyone, never done anything like that. I, I probably sweat through my, my suit jacket and don't really hear from him. And then come end of August, I get a message from him saying how much he appreciated coming on the show. He enjoyed it. I let him speak all that fun stuff. And so because of that, he wanted to introduce me to a couple of his people that I've looked up to for years. So now I've got something. And then you fast forward and our chairman said, dude, have you ever thought about doing your own show? And I was like, huh, never really, but like, give me an opportunity. And so Capitalize, a podcast for intelligent investors started, but I ran into a problem really quick because unfortunately, academics all in all, are not exactly the most entertaining humans. They just want to spit the facts, nerd out, and no one really cares about that, but like most people, okay? And then I also realized, okay, people are coming to the show because they, they want to hear what I have to say. And so that's where I rebranded to capitalize your finances. And it's been beautiful because now we've got this framework that frankly, I've just used on myself and, 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 and my wife. And that's why I did the first couple of years because no one really trusts you when you start out at 23 in this business. So you fast forward today, it's been, it's been an absolute blessing of a story and whether there was personal struggles or business struggles, because it, it all just kind of hits one after another, after another, you know, as of December, 2021, my wife and I look at each other and we're like, wow, like we don't have to study for any boards. We don't have bull crap going on in our lives. We're in a really good spot. We're healthy. We're happy. Is this normal? 
because the last four years have just been a roller coaster. So, you know, as far as challenges go, and I've talked to my counselor about this, now I'm in this mode where I'm always wanting the pressure and the back against the wall and to get after it. And for people listening, it's not healthy. And it's, again, it's a gift of mine, but it's also a curse. And don't let your gift become too big of a curse. That's, thank you. Thank you for sharing your, your details around that. I mean, I, I think the, and, and there's more to it, you know, that we won't sure. talk about today. And I, sure. I appreciate, you know, you, you wanted to, but Chris, you know, you, you, I, you have an amazing story of how you had an incredible amount of challenges and you've sure. come through on the other side, right? You, you yeah. continue to persevere. Mm-hmm. I, I congratulate you, you know, for getting that, how, how, what an awesome situation, you know, where you are today, you know, from where you used to be. Sure. So let's, let's, I want to ask you that, of course, Mike, always have to ask the two questions. Sure. How do you, I'm going to ask it back to back. How do you measure success in business? Mm-hmm. And then how do you measure success in your personal life? Okay. So measure success in business and then personal life. So from a business side, so for your listeners at home that are probably equally as nerdy as me, they're going to love this because it's very quantifiable, black and white, whatever. As far as business, so I can tell you, black and white, I set goals every year. So uh, as of December 30th, because I always take the last two weeks to just kind of get out of the office, December 30th, I set all of my business goals for the next year. What worked, what didn't really marinate and reflect on that. And then personally, December 31st, I go somewhere where I'm just not bothered. It's almost uh, spiritual in a way. I just let whatever emotion hit me that I haven't given myself the ability to have for the year. And then I start looking at personally what I can do to better myself. So I've got like four sections of my life. I've got personally relationship with my wife, business, and then fitness, fitness and finance. Okay. So from a business side, Yeah, there's the black and white of, well, I want to have this much revenue and I want to have this much revenue to start the next year. And I want to bring on this many clients and that many clients. And that only gets you so far. Like the first couple of years, you need that because it's that motivation, that inspiration, whatever term you want to use. And it gets you there and you you make a a literal contract with yourself. Cause if you write that down and you fail, you only fail yourself. No one at the end of the day, unfortunately, no one is going to care about you. Like you have to care about you. So when you write that down, you better make it a do or die situation. And it's funny. I, I was actually having a, a really good conversation with our chairman, Ray Lucia Jr. Who's he's like a big brother to me. And I remember Cause I'm kind of an intense guy and we were just chit chatting. He goes, dude, you, you put like a ton of pressure on yourself. And, and I didn't mean to, but I kind of just not snapped, but I, I responded to me. It's like, how can I not? He kind of looked at me like, well, what are you talking about? I go, well, if, if I don't, who's going to do it. And it wasn't offense to anyone. He gets it right. We're, we're best buddies. Like he's not going to, my wife's not going to. My mom's not going to, my friends, no one's going to. So if you don't do it, or if someone cares more than you, you got a problem, like a really big problem. I actually tell clients that I can't care more than you, which puts you in a really tough spot because I care a whole heck of a lot about you. I'm a hugger. 
How can I, how can, how can you not? Right. So on the business side, I, I look at revenue numbers. I look at, okay, how much recurring revenue do we want to have? I'm at a point where I kind of know what the, the commission side is going to be. And frankly, at this point, I, I, I don't track that as much, but then I start looking at the qualitative side of things. So for those of you that are trying to go out there and start your own podcast or start your own business or movement or website, whatever it is, after the first couple of years, you really got to start blending in the qualitative side. Like, what are you trying to do? Now, don't make it too broad. We're like, I'm just trying to inspire the world because that, that means literally nothing. But maybe, hey, I want to come out with X amount of podcasts which is quantifiably going to get X amount of views, which qualitatively is going to lead someone to call me and say, thank you, Chris, you changed my life because of episode X. That is worth way more than any quantity that you can look at on the business side. And the personal side, it's actually no different to answer your second question on that. So, you know, personally, of course, I give myself a ton of pressure within my relationship with my wife. I put a ton of pressure on me. You know, it's funny when we, we got married and everyone's asking right off the, like right after we get back from our mini moon, you know, oh my gosh, how is blah, 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 blah. And I was just honest. I said, it's hard. And everyone's like, well, like you're in the honeymoon phase. And I, Stop. Marriage is something that unfortunately today is not taken nearly as seriously enough as it should be. I'm not saying, hey, things happen in life, whatever. I'm not saying that. But I remember the day of, of my wedding. You know, I was, I was freaking out because this is my wife and I, under God, in front of everyone that we know and love. You, everything that you are is on the line. And a lot of people are like, Chris, you take that. Like, that's really extreme. Well, meh, meh. I look at it as how, how can you not take it that seriously, especially after everything that my wife and I have been through, you know, which makes us, I think, better, a better couple. And then someday better parents, although I'll be the most like embarrassingly proud dad. I, I already like our unborn children are already rolling their eyes at what I'm saying right now, but on a personal side and then a relationship side and then health and fitness side, I think of things that I know I can implement. So like, for example, personally, a couple of years ago, it was something as simple as everyone was saying that I ramble too much. So I said, shorten it up, shorten it up. I looked at it every day. I tried to condense myself, probably not doing a good job right now as your guest, but you know, condense yourself. As far as relationships, cook a good meal once a month for my wife, like an award-winning meal. Now, the award is maybe like two stars. It's not five-star Michelin, but I'm not a good cook. So I got to get out of my comfort zone and be a better husband. Be in them as far as health and fitness. So, you know, personally, I've had Crohn's disease since I was four years old. And you mentioned I, I do drug-free bodybuilding, which I'm sure we'll get into in a moment. Well, hold on. Yeah, it's real quick there. Yeah. So do they test you guys all the time to make sure you're doing drug-free? Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Cause like, I was like, yeah. I'm hoping they're testing you all that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty doggone impossible to, I, I'm, I'm sure guys and gals lie about it, but like, even if you did take something. So I, I have a buddy of mine, just real quick tangent, who had to take some type of growth hormone, but it was purely for health reasons, okay? Well, he, he doesn't have to take it anymore. 
but he stopped taking it. I think it was, well, he's probably good now, but he stopped taking it when we met five years ago. So he had two years until he can compete in what we would call drug-free bodybuilding. And, you know, I could argue that once you go, you never really stop. However, not to get into the minutia, those are the rules, abide by the rules. So they really test you around showtime, but it's not like you can just gut everything out of you. And there are people that can do it, but like, again, I went to Oregon. I'm not sophisticated enough to do that. Right. Hey, like, you said it. You, you said it. I, I did. I did. Yeah, I did. I did. I said yeah, you heard it, it there first. Yeah. Oregon duck self-proclaims not sophisticated enough. I mean, I, yeah, that's all. That's yeah. That's all. I'm just going to say, just stay to the facts. Just want to make sure the guests coming from the guest words, not the host in yeah. that case. Yeah. It's, no, yeah, I, no, I, I said it. No, Chris, I, I do appreciate though. What, what, what just summing up of what you said though, is you are clearly in the goal setting each year. Every year on the personal business side, you make effort for it and you're tracking along the way. And, and you, the, I think the big lesson you said there is how much you make sure you put pressure on yourself. I, I like what Grant Cardone says. He says, it's your duty to get things done. Yeah. You know, it's your duty. And, yeah. and because we all have our talents and our gifts and it's our duty to give back. It's our duty to learn. It's our duty to teach. It's, a, it's our duty to, to give, right? And, yeah. and if we don't do those things, how are you going to make a difference in the world? And so I think that's fantastic. I, I love the stuff that you have. It's clearly you have a, a strong blend of business and personal as you were talking through there. Mm-hmm. So Chris, what's the book that you recommend for our audience? Yeah. And before the book, so yeah. just kind of wrapping up the, the, the health side of things. Yep. The reason why I got into, because a lot of people are like, why did you get into this? Mm. I was scared to death of going backwards. Cause I, I wasn't the healthiest. I wasn't unhealthy when I was little, mm-hmm. but like I always wanted health and never got it. So when I was in 10th grade, I remember I looked at myself and I said, screw it. I'm either going to die trying or I'm going to get healthy. Mm-hmm. And I worked my tail off to get there. And then I, I did, you know, in, in college, probably a little bit fluffier than I should have been. And then I got into drug-free body bodybuilding and since then I've been in complete remission of, of my Crohn's, but I tell oh, wow. people why that's so big and how it, it's been so impactful. If it wasn't for fitness, I would not have the financial success because then once I got into business and we've talked about this in the past, I go, okay, hold on. I'll just do the same thing. I'll either just die of exhaustion of trying to make this work or I'll make it happen. And thank God it happened. Right. But everything that Basically, I've gotten as far as where I've been. Yes, there's been a lot of things I've been blessed with. Okay. But as far as like the successful aspect of moving the needle, fear is the only thing that will get you to where you're at. Because if you don't have it, it's like, what risk are you taking? You know, every day I run scared to death. And that started on the health side. So, because people are like, wow, you're working out like an animal. Deep down inside, I'm scared. I am I am scared to death of going backwards. Mm. Right. And then you you translate it onto the, the finance side. So I just kind of wanted to say, like that, that's been the biggest thing that's got me there. But as far as the book, so so personally slash professionally, and then professionally, I'll tell you what I'm reading right now. So business, and I believe I have it in here. Business brilliant. So, and I was 
I'm, I'm butchering the uh, uh, chef, right? Is yeah. He, yes. Yeah. And uh, thank you. Yeah. I read that at the beginning of the year. That is a heck of a winner of a book. And mm-hmm. I tell people that is my go-to because when you read it, so a lot of people out there are really, really gifted and, you know, some like there are people out there that have all these designations and they're brilliant and they have all these awards, blah, blah, blah. All that kind of means is deep down, they're just kind of, you know, kind of a dick, right? Like you don't need all of that stuff. What about just all the effort that you've put in? And for business brilliant, it's great because it teaches people very quickly. You don't need to be the best at every single thing. You need to be the best at understanding what you love, what you enjoy. You've got a passion, you got a desire for something. But once you have that, The big thing is understanding who you need to lean on to get you to where you you need to be because you can't do it all. And if you can, that is a curse because then you've got the narcissism, the sociopathic uh, tendencies, and then deep down, no one likes you. You know, like I can tell you right now, my my assistant, Betty uh, Kimry, best, best teammate of all time, she would be the first to admit, I suck at admin. I am professionally awful at it. Right. And as far as like service, she would, she is just, she will outkind me 10 out of 10 times. And so surrounding myself with someone that's just so brilliant, what she does allows me to be much more brilliant at what I do, which is really what the book is all about. So that would be the go-to book that I would say that people need to read personally, professionally right now, not to nerd out. And I'll be quick on this one. Common Stocks and Uncommon Profits. I'm rereading it by Phil Fisher. People get too into the weeds quantitatively about what I do professionally. Phil Fisher flips that one on its head pretty quickly because there is an art about going with your gut. And thank God I have Crohn's disease because I listen to my gut way more than most. So <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you. I have not read the Common Stock on Common Profits. So I'll put that on the list. Yes. So this is brilliant for me. I It was a read that I think probably 2015-ish, completely changed my future of my career. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the big reason behind it was there are these common perceived truths that is in society that is not true. Yeah. And, and I think the book does a great job of debunking myths between where you are and where you could be. Mm-hmm. And, and so anyways, great, great suggestion. I think it's fantastic. Chris, where can people learn more about you? Absolutely. So for those of you that do listen to my show, you can find me, Chris Ray Paniotu, the cap and capitalize uh, by searching capitalize your finances on Spotify or on LinkedIn. If you want to direct message me or connect, because I can always use another friend or two, hit me up on uh, Chris for Paniotu's LinkedIn page and then you can access my my podcast through that or another way is going through luciacapitalgroup.com and going to my page directly so spotify capitalize your finances linkedin type in my name god help you if you can pronounce it the first time or you can go through luciac capital groups page so those are the three main ways chris it's been a pleasure to have you on the measure sex podcast thank you so much for being on the show hey i look forward to coming back if i'm ever invited and next year Good luck with your Huskies because they need a whole heck of a lot. Well played, my friend. Go dogs. Uh, go dogs. And yes, it's been a long time. This has happened about. It's been a pleasure. Love the, the positive ribbing. And it, it, anyways, it's been good. And with that, you tongue twisted me there on 
just go dogs. I just have to finish with that because there was some. Yeah. We'll make sure we get that edited out of there, Chris, out of the show. Yeah, don't, <laughs> so, don't worry about it. That That's a husky thing. It's not your first method. So don't worry about it. And with that, to everyone else so who are, I hope you had fo- fun listening to this. Uh, thank you so much for listening and wishing wishing you the very best and measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.